Italian Wine Podcast. Chin Chin with Italian Wine People. Hello, this is the Italian Wine Podcast. My name is Monty Ward and my guest today is podcaster extraordinaire Chris Scott. Chris, welcome. Hi, Monty. How are you? It's the first time you've ever been called extraordinaire, isn't it? Yeah, it's the first time I've been interviewed for a podcast. You're joking? No. Seriously? No, no, I do all the interviewing normally and not the... uh, Does your wife not interview you sometimes? No, no. We just do the news together. The news? Yeah. Right, we'll come on to that. Now, listen, you have many strings to your bow. Yep, yep. And the last time I saw you, I seem to remember we talked about podcasts, because you interviewed me, that was about three, four years ago? Yeah, it's did, about that. And you did give me some tips, didn't you? So your Probably. royalties, you've made, you've got that house in the Cayman Islands now, thanks to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, the multiple houses in New York, you know. <laughs> yeah, it's good. You know, I'm still, I still have to sweep the loose here at the Vanessa building, you know, just, to, just to get my podcast I've just met your boss, Stevie Kim, and she's... she's Truthless. Oh, yes, yeah, she was saying, you know, he does what he's told when he's told. <laughs> yeah, I, I have to, otherwise I, I get fired and I'm on the street. Now, so you have the world's uh, longest running wine podcast so just give us a longest continuous wine podcast right go on just tell us a bit about that so I I can't remember the year I started actually it was around 2003 or 2004 or 5 something like that so you were one of the yeah one of the earliest podcasts one of the earliest podcasts yeah so podcasting had just started out and I thought oh I'm an electrical engineer I like this sort of stuff my my wife told me I had a face for radio so I was yeah (laughs) so I thought you know what I'm getting into this Uh, because my buzz is really about learning and um, I'd done my WCT qualifications and I'd stopped learning and I was like how do I how do I get to learn by and the easiest way of getting to learn was to um, interview people who know lots about stuff so I I decided I would start podcasting and just talk to people about wine so so you're killing two birds with one stone two birds with one stone so where are you from originally with that accent you're from Australia aren't you yeah (laughs) I'm as much from Australia as you are from Sardinia Uh, no I'm a Kiwi Kiwi from New Zealand and uh, proud of that I've got some family in Australia so I spent a bit of time in Aussie and Mrs Scott is she from uh, New Zealand as well no she's English which is why I live in London now so um, we had a choice of living in New Zealand or London and uh, she won the bit (laughs) so when you started your podcast which is obviously one of the most lucrative things on the planet was she was she thrilled by that Uh, you know mortgages kids that kind of thing um, she was a little bit most of the stuff when we start something new I do a lot of the new product development our business and um, to be honest don't tell Jane this but most of the stuff she's like always a little bit oh this is not good this is not good this is not good and a bit negative and then after a while she gets behind it and she's like oh this is brilliant and she gets into it so yeah she wasn't she's never 100% sure about new stuff but then once we get into it she either tells me it's wrong we have to stop it or or she gets on board right so you do a podcast and what about the wine educational aspect because that has really taken off in general wine education and you've been a big part of that um, combining audio and you just teach people direct as well don't you yeah so we do our business actually started out as a wine tasting company Um, we were the first company that we're aware of that was willing to go to people's homes and do tastings with them which is great and we've then we did that for a while and then we've done corporate work we started running our own wine appreciation courses how did you get into people's homes i mean that's quite an not an invasive thing to do but how did you actually sell that concept to members of the public did you start by doing it with friends or friends of friends or how did you advertise yeah we start well so we started out with doing it with friends and they're the worst tastings you'll ever do is with your mates because they just give you a stick if people don't know you they're a 
little bit more respectful, <laughs> whereas your friends and family are terrible. Really? But stick about what? About you being too whiny or...? Or just whatever. They're, they're, they're more likely to give you a hard time than, than That's people That's just joshing, though, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, a little bit, a little bit. When you're nervous and it's your first three or four tastings, you get really... You know, it can be quite hard. So we did that, but to be honest, our business couldn't have really existed before internet because Google and the ability to find you on the internet was key to being able to move into people's homes because the income from a tasting in someone's home isn't enough to really justify radio or TV advertising. So you need to be able to reach an audience in a relatively cheap way. And the um, search engines are the way to do that. She did very little advertising, but word got round that you were kind of, um, it was you and your wife, sort of fun tastings at home. So yeah, it's yeah. Sort of entertainment, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I always think it's, you know, people won't pay for education. You know, you, you talk to students uh, who go to university and they will scream blue murder about paying university fees, uh, but then they'll drink twice the university fees and pee it against the wall and, and not, not even think anything about it. So people don't pay for education if they can help it, but they will pay for entertainment. If you can murder the two together and give them a really good time but at the same time they come away with something really solid they know then that's really the, the sweet spot for us and that's what we try and do so we look for the people who run our events with us because we've got a team of about 20 people now throughout the UK um, we look for people with great personalities that can really engage but also entertain. To like you, basically. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you are. I mean, no, you are. You're the larger-than-life character. Uh, You've got a lot of energy about you. You're a very good communicator. You're fun. You're the kind of person that, you know, I'd like to learn from. You, you've got that energy. You're not some boring old wine snob just boring on about Bordeaux. Do well, you think that's your new world background that helps that with that exuberance or not? I don't know. I, I, to be honest, I often class myself as an introvert. He was an idiot then. Honestly. No, 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 no. Because in a, in a group of 10 or 20, people I'm I'm I can be quite quiet but put me in front of a hundred people I'm really quite bubbly yeah I, I don't really understand why did why you do like theatre at school and things like that acting? no no I'm a literal engineer mate okay. <laughs> I, was like, I was hitting the book studying so what about the corporate side is that developing quite strongly um, and how does that work is that very different when you present a tasting to friends in a, in a house in a private house or a corporate event is it a bit more starchy sort of smart suits and no things, or are they no. looking to let their hair down as they're well they're looking to let their hair down yeah we we really especially the corporates you know it, it's about fun for them you know they want to learn something well some, often they want to learn something but often they want to have a bit of fun and taste some nice wines and learn something so it's about getting the balance right and I think you know, you've got to get that balance right if you want to have a really, really a fun business. You know, there are people who run very serious tastings, and that's great, but that's not really my scene. So you're not turning up with bottles of First Growth Bordeaux, you're turning up with sort of not fairly normal bottles, or are you doing some high-end tastings as well? We do a range. We do a range. It just depends what the client's budget is and what they want. For me, it, it doesn't bother me if it's a... You know, we don't normally go in the UK anyway. £10, is, for me, is about the sweet spot for a, a wine that's got some interesting attributes, tastes pretty good, nice reliable you know so we normally start around that price point and go up but we don't you know we don't normally do first growth Bordeaux um, although we have in the past it just depends what the budget is so do you get asked for an Italian only wine tasting or a wine event we have done Italian only tastings in the past in fact we used to do we used to have a tasting that we sold in as an Italian tasting. So what was the mix in that one then, roughly? Well, the way we work is we're more... I'm a big man on climate. So I think that climate is the main driver of style of wine. If you think about it, climate drives the grape varieties you can grow in a region and therefore, and also drives the style of wine that comes from that. So I'm very much looking at going through Italy from north to south, looking at how the climate changes and how that reflects in the style of the wines that get produced. It's quite an interesting take, though, isn't it? I mean, I can see your logic behind that. Everyone did 
tell world about our soil, microclimate, mesa climate. Yeah, but people don't yeah. can't understand that. Whereas if you give them a, a warm climate wine with uh, higher alcohols or more extraction of tannins or something like that from you know, the southern end. That was actually somebody having tannins extracted <laughs> from their teeth. They'd been drinking a lot of uh, Nebbiolo and Brunello over the last couple of days. But they're, they're, they're doing very well, apparently, the doctors tell us. Yeah. So, yeah, back to your point about climate. So, so if you can understand, you know, the, how acidity changes and how you, in a hotter climate you can, if you want to, extract more tannins and colour and things like that, then people can understand that. But when you start talking about microclimates and all, you know, you know, this limestone soil is slightly different from this gravel-based soil because it's cooler and therefore it makes a slightly different, you know, that's a little bit too much inside baseball for the general public. You know, for you and me, we love that sort of stuff. We understand it. You know, we can, I can look at a, a vineyard soil and go, okay, that means this and that has an effect on the climate because of this and all this. Most people don't care. They just want to have a bit of fun, learn something they can take away that's practical. We give a really dirty blaggers guide. Steady, this is a family show. Yeah. <laughs> no, we give a dirty blaggers guide on how to value a bottle of wine by tasting it. You know, you can taste a bottle of wine, looking at the length and things like that, you can actually get a rough idea on the price of the wine. And people love that, whereas if I was to go on about limestone versus clay, they really wouldn't give a... They wouldn't care. It switches them off. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it does. And that's for the general public. You know, for the wine geeks, great. But for you and me, uh, for the general public, no, nah, they're not interested. But at a, at a tasting, when people come to one of your tastings or have one in their homes, are you giving them some material to take away, like print-offs or anything like that? No, no, no. What we do, they get... Uh, we have a PDF, a two-page sheet that we have. You email them, yeah? No, no, if they want it, we'll give them a oh, copy I see of a physical it. One, okay. Yeah, but to be honest, we used to give it out to them, but now most people just take a photo of it. So, um, and it's, it's really good. On one side, it's got just all the common grape varieties, the aromas, and the climatic ranges they grow in, and the flavors that you get from those climatic ranges. You know, if you think about a, a Chablis, you're going to get sort of an apple flavor, maybe get into lemons, get into burgundy, into more stone fruits, get into southern France, um, you're going to get into more tropical fruits. And when people start to see, oh, climate has that and changes in acidity and alcohol they can really grasp it so our sheets are all about really basic stuff like that so you also do a lot of work with the wine and spirit education trust which yep. is members of the wine trade uh, maybe people working in shops or in the restaurant and industry. general public as well who are so, really engaged yeah so that's really taking off isn't it so where do you fit in that what do you what do you offer them okay so we do two things or three things really um we started out running courses, WC Level 1, 2 and 3, um, and we run them for the public on Saturdays and, and trade, and we also run some during the week, mainly for the trade, uh, usually on Mondays. But we changed tack about a year and a half ago and reclassified ourselves personally as a WST service provider. Which, what does that mean? Well, it means that instead of just being running courses, we want to produce materials and educational stuff that people can use anywhere in the world. So the first big product we launched was our WSD Level 3 questions. Because when I learned to study for exams, one of the things I learned was do lots and lots of examples of questions. And there really wasn't a really good database of questions. WSD had some, but they expected the different lecturers to provide their own questions. So we produced 500 questions of multi-choice and short answer questions that they can do and mark themselves. And we sell them to people all over the world now for about 20 quid a pop, and it just sells. It's so is it like a book or something? No, no, do it online. Right, so so basically you have the question, you know, what is the main grape in Poyak, for example, and then on page four, and then on page 320 you find the answer. No, 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 no. We just 
just have lists of questions, multi-choice questions, uh, and they're divided up. So if you're doing the course, you might read chapter four, and there'll be a set of questions on chapter four. And then you do the next chapter, a set of questions on chapter five, blah, 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 blah. The problem is the exam isn't like that. The, the exam looks at questions from chapter four and then asks, compares wines from chapter four to chapter 12 and all this sort of thing. So we have questions that are designed to assist you as you're doing the course, and then we have more exam-like questions at the end where they really range over the entire course. And they've been really popular. So, we, so who does the fact-checking on that? Is that you? Or is oh, that... I did all the work on that. That took me forever. I mean, there's a reason people don't do it is because it's so much work and you really, really, really need... It's a lot of work. And every time they change the book, it's weeks of work. Has anybody come back and said, Chris, on question number 476... <laughs> yeah, no, there is. You got it. the answer wrong. Yeah, yeah, no, that happens. I mean, I've done a lot of work to do it, and my students, we give them to my students, and I tell them, you know, you find a mistake, you get a bottle of wine. I was going to say, <laughs> they, must get something, they must get something back. Yeah, yeah. And and, and you get a kick out of the bum. Yeah, and the first time we, I said that to them, it cost me a bit of money. <laughs> but after that, it got less and less and less, and now, you know, we get the odd mistake here and there, but out of 500 questions, it's the best database of questions you'll ever get. So we've done that for the level three. So give us a, give us a, a, a question on Italy. I know it's difficult for you to think of one off the top of the off, off the top of your head. Is it like what is the main grape in Suave? No, no, it wouldn't be like that. It, it might be sort of a deep red, powerful wine, high alcohols and tannins. Is it Suave? Is it Castellese? Is it Alianico from the Silicata? Um, or is it a Valpolicella Rapasso? I'm going to say Valpolicella. Was that? I'm joking. It's <laughs> <laughs> the Alianico, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So yeah, so you mean put like white wines in there as well? Is it? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Okay. Because, because, like, to be honest, I know you're an Italian podcast, but some people, you, you see suave, and people won't know if it's white, red, or rosé. Yeah, no, so. I used to get that. People never. You know, I work in a wine shop. People would pick it up and say, "Is that a red wine or, or a white yeah. wine?" Yeah, not not because they're stupid, just because they don't know. It's like me if I walk into a furniture shop. Is that teak or oak? I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Most, you know. yeah. When, when you name a wine by a region, it doesn't give an insight. Yeah. Well, Suave, isn't it? Is it great for it? No, it's not. It's a region. No, it's a fine. That's £10. Jane, if you're listening to this, I want this. I want £10 of yours. It's a bottle of wine, mate. He's done it on air. Actually, we'll give you a discount on air. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Fact checking. Got to check it. Uh, so we did that. Um, we've just, we're just about to release a new podcast. Well, one of the things that... Um, is the tasting exam is quite tricky. Mm -hmm. You know, people have never been, if, you know, if you've never had your taste buds assessed, people really worry about that. Um, so we've produced a series of material. We, we produced a two-page document we gave to our students uh, with a snappy title of Decoding the WST Systematic Approach to Tasting. So quite a catchy title, that one. And we're just in the process of launching a podcast that complements that. One of the, one so of the, what's that called, the new podcast? Well, it hasn't been launched yet, but it Do will. they breed? Your podcast, and they just like they mate every so. What's the gestation period? Yeah, this one's about twelve years. Um, so it was born fully formed twelve-year-old. The podcast itself, um, we haven't launched it, but we're about to. It's called going to be called Thirty Fifties uh, WSD Level Three. And it's just support material. So we've recorded, for the UK Wine Show, we've recorded loads of interviews. And at the time when I interviewed them, I had a, a focus of making sure I asked questions that were relevant to the WSD Level 3. So we've got all these content now. So we're, we're going to release that, package it up and release it. And also we've got some very specific content that works with some of our support materials. So, our so Level 3, I mean, how, how tough is that in terms of questioning? It's got a 60% pass rate. Uh, it's a five-day course, and if you work really hard, it's not hard. So is it multiple-choice answers at the end again? Or? No, it's multi-choice plus uh, written exam. 
Right, so go on, give us, a, give us an example of how difficult that would be. Okay, so... Um, know, a question on, say, Bordeaux or something. Or... Well, I'll give you one. Um, you might get a picture of a map of, of say, of Cal- Napa Valley. And you'll, you'll get a picture of Napa Valley and you say, describe the difference between this region and this region on the map. And one might be Howell Mountain, which is on the right-hand side. And the other one might be... Oh, what's the one on the Mark left? Mike Amos? Uh, I, wasn't there, I was thinking about the one that links... Um, it's at altitude on the left-hand side between Sonoma and uh, Napa. Brain's gone dead. Um, let's, let's try another question. <laughs> but, but the idea is they can look at the map and they realise, OK, one's facing east, one's facing west, one's at altitudes, one's below spring the fog mountain. No, it's not Spring Mountain. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what it is. But the idea is they need to be able to understand the geological effects that will influence the wine. So if you're below... So it's quite heavy stuff. Oh, yeah. You know, you need to know that whether you're below the fog line or above the fog line. Um, above the fog line, you're going to get more sunshine, so therefore you're going to get riper fruit, riper tannins, more extraction, or potentially more extraction, things like that so and if you're facing facing the evening sun you're going to get more ripeness as opposed to facing the morning sun so it's those sort of things that people can sometimes know but it's very hard to apply and so it's about being able to apply that multi-choice questions are easier <laughs> I mean do you, are you good at were you good at wine exams no my wife did better than me in the exams but you I, were a w, you got a diploma I guess w, yeah yeah no. you, why don't you do your own master of wine it's value really um, the pass rate's so low I talked to um, WCW a while ago about it but their pass rate's so low and the cost is so high that to me it was like I've got to invest two to three years of my life and the return may be zero, and it's a lot of money. And the other thing was that it's very hard to monetize it. You know, I don't want to become a, a supermarket wine buyer or any of that sort of stuff. I want to do what I'm doing. So if I do all this work, take a big risk, and at the end of it, possibly have nothing to show for it, it won't actually make any difference to my business. So I get my buzz from learning, and I get that from the podcast. So why do I need to continue doing a piece of paper? And you get it from teaching as well. That's your buzz yeah. as well, isn't Oh, it? yeah, yeah. Standing up in front of people and talking about booze. <laughs> Can't go wrong. How, um, how difficult is it to have a business that you run with your one and only love? Um, uh, it's not as bad as I would have thought 20 years ago. <laughs> Go on, more uh, detail. Yeah, don't, Jane, don't listen to this. But um, no, it's, it's actually all right because we've got very different roles. She's very um, accounts, administration, dealing with clients, all that sort of stuff. And I get to do lots of tastings. You're and, the showman. Yeah, yeah, tastings. And I do a lot of the new product development and a lot more in the sort of intellectual side of the wine tasting side of things. So we, we've got very different roles. And I think that clear demarcation of roles makes things a lot easier. Yeah, that's okay. Yeah. But you, you, you know, you are a very bubbly chap. You know, you've got a lot of um, charisma and you're a good communicator. So you, you, someone in wine that you seem like you're really happy with what you do. When I first met you, so when you walked out of the door, I remember you interviewed me. I thought this guy, he's got a great job. You know, he loves what he does. Yeah. It's true though, isn't it? it is. It's like I love doing what I'm doing here now with you today because I get to meet really interesting people. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, but you know, I thought you know, you put the job. I, I love what I do, and I, I like as kindred spirit. You're yeah. very similar to me, always. And uh, you, you. Incredibly successful, aren't you? You, you are. Yeah, yeah. No, the business is good. No, 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 no. The business is good. Uh, it's growing. Well, it's always been growing because we've always been pushing new stuff. But yeah, no. It's like it's one of those things. As long as you're happy. I'm, I'm pretty easy to keep happy, you know, as long as... You're a man. Well, yeah, possibly, possibly. But as long as I, I've got what I need, you know, minimum, um, and I'm busy and I'm, I'm learning, I'm pretty happy, you know, and 
Mm. How, do you, how do you deal with all the kind of Italian, you know, you're, you're spe- people would expect you to know the, the disciplinary, the rules of every single EGT in Italy. <laughs> how do you deal with that? The kind of constant changes of the rules. I mean, there's, a, I don't know, a thousand mm. different EGTs or whatever in, in Italy. All right, so first of all... Do you, do you have nightmares? And, no, uh, no, 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 because um, I'm a little bit, this will sound funny, but I'm a little bit autistic right. in that I, I'm, I'm not very good at names. I just cannot remember names. My name's John, by the way. <laughs> Oh, I thought it was Fred, but okay, okay. Um, but I'm I'm not very good with names, so I accept that. You know, I if if there's something I have to learn, I'll really, really, really focus on learning it. But I really struggle, so I just don't worry about it. You know, deal with what you can do. Don't worry about the stuff you can't do. So you basically found a coping mechanism to deal with that. Yeah, yeah, and no, I just don't worry. <laughs> okay. I mean, I know, like, initially, I was talking to Stevie, you know, and there's... It's Stevie Kim. Stevie Kim, yeah, and um, we were talking about sort of, you know, the thousand regions and the 500-odd grape varieties and all that sort of stuff. And my... I have a, a good working knowledge of Italy, but it's mainly things like what's driving the style of wine in this part of Italy you know is it altitude is it climate is it fresh winds blowing up a valley is it whatever and by I can I've got a very engineering mechanical brain so I can analyze and understand I just may not remember the name of the place yeah the stresses <laughs> and strains basically on the particular region yeah I mean if you um, ever made wine you're from New Zealand, but you're not from a farming background, though, are you? I, may, I tried to make wine once. Really? At home? <laughs> yeah, um, when I was about 12. With what? Beetroot or something? No, no, that. with wine. I, I did that with oranges, supermarket no. oranges. I, I, I crushed some grapes, and I thought, oh, I better not what, let table my... table grapes? Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Didn't, better not let my family know. So I put it in a, in a tiny little container under my bed, and I and I let it ferment, and I grew mould. So <laughs> I am not a winemaker. I, I, you know, when I first got into the wine trade, I thought, oh, maybe I'll get into this winemaking lark, because, you know, it can be very scientific, you know, it's very artistic, but it, there's a lot of um, um, science there, and I, I quite like the science side of things, uh, but it's just not for me. You know, we, we thought about following the romance, particularly when the English wine scene started to burn, and we thought, oh, maybe we'll go into English wine. But we looked at it, and the capital capital cost was really high, and the investment and time and effort, and there was just easier ways to make money. And climate change, the elephant in the room for the UK wine industry. Yeah, and yeah. Not, for the, not for the better, it's not necessarily going to get warmer, it'll probably get a little bit wetter. So when you are in Italy, final question, on holiday, mm-hmm. do you can you just switch off, or you sit in a restaurant and the waiter or waitress brings over a bottle of wine, and you're looking at the back, and they're like, oh, this has got 60% Negro Amaro in it, how fascinating. Or can you just forget it and eat, eat your food? And have a chat with your wife. And so my the way I slip wines on a wine list. Price a little bit, yeah, because I ne- I never go down the bottom end. Shape uh, of the bottle. Uh, no, no, I go favorite color on the label. No, I go. I don't have a Scooby. What that is? If I have no idea what it is, I get it. Right. So good policy. Yeah. Well. You know, you end up with some <laughs> interesting things. You know, you'll check with the, the sommelier or the waiter if you can. But um, yeah, I just choose the wine that I have never, no idea what it is. Do you, do you do studiously write t- tasting notes on holiday? You just taste nah, it. Yeah, that was no. Nah, I just enjoy it. Yeah, me too. Yeah, yeah I, I think you know, you've people, got to switch off sometimes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and also, you know, you, an, you taste the wine, you analyse it, you give it a sort of a, a rough idea of what it is, and try and understand it. And that takes all of a couple of minutes, and then you just enjoy it. Cool. All right, I just want to say thanks to my guest today, Chris Scott, who is a phenomenon, really, in uh, you are and what you do. You know, in terms of um, your podcast, number one, first one, yep. and, your, and your educational stuff. And you, you know, you're a very engaging guy, and you obviously make wine education fun for people as Hope well so. as as well as informative. You know, yeah. information and education and entertainment. You yeah. got it. You got it. Wrapped That's up, a sweet yeah. spot. It's really good to see you, Chris. Cheers, nice one, mate. 
Follow Italian Wine Podcast on Facebook and Instagram.